The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, Andrea Olson, a faculty member in the Outdoor Product Design and Development Program at USU and former designer at Columbia Sportswear and Prana, speaks with Paul Talner, CEO of High Peaks Group, about increasing team effectiveness for individuals and organizations and developing resiliency during difficult times. Thanks for inviting me to your class. Um, I really appreciate it. Why don't, why don't we start with some introductions and you can tell us a little bit about this class and yourself and how we're all, uh, how we're connected, how we got together. All right, great. Well, I work for Utah State University in the Outdoor Product Design and Development Program. And our wonderful program coordinator connected you and I, because uh, we have some very similar thoughts and ideas on things. And I have a wonderful class that I love teaching. It's called Creative Teams. And it's made specifically for designers and developers that are going to be moving into the outdoor industry. But we, what we do is we cover a lot of different topics, um, soft skills, like in our program, we learn um, how to draw, how to sew, how to you know, make plastic composites. But what we often don't learn is how to get along with our team how to deal with conflict resolution, how to work with difficult topics that we haven't been exposed to in the past. So that's what this class is for. And um, so that's kind of the, the ground of this and why it's awesome to have you as a guest speaker. Um, so I did wanna talk a little bit just about my background too, just for some context. So I worked in the outdoor industry for 12 years as an apparel designer. So I've worked for companies like Columbia Sportswear Company and Prana and a number of others and doing freelance. And in that time, um, I saw a lot of different uh, soft skills and management styles being shown. And I saw that um, sometimes when leaders would do certain things, it really moved the team and we got a lot done. And other times we really struggled. And so as I came out of the industry and moved into academia, this became a real passion for me to like try to help the students see these things that really work, things that build a team, things that bring us together and to minimize those things that can make it really difficult. So that's my background and where I'm coming from and why we're here. That's awesome. And uh, when we talked about uh, potentially having me come and talk to your students, uh, we, we had thrown around a bunch of different topic ideas to kind of address the the other side of of being a leader in this industry and things and you know we uh, several weeks ago we we landed on the topic of resilience and who knew right yes. that it would be <laughs> that it would be like so important today as everybody resilience is being tested uh almost on an hourly basis now right uh mm -hmm. it's, it's truly incredible so uh, I'm grateful to to have a chance to speak with you and and through this video to your students and others. Um, we're also just uh, as a disclaimer uh, uh, live on Facebook for the global audience of High Peaks Group followers, which uh, we'll see what happens what that means by global and also, audience. One other thing, um, would you introduce more of your background for yes, my students? Absolutely. Let me do that now. Uh, so Paul Tallner, uh, I'm CEO of High Peaks Group which is a consulting company that helps uh, individual leaders and teams uh, develop uh, effectiveness and, and really drive results in their organizations. Uh, my background uh, started ages ago in education, public education work. I did some um, work in public policy and in K-12 education and started to, you know, there sow some seeds of curiosity around how it is uh, groups of people uh, can get things done and change 
uh, you know, change systems or change groups and organizations and things, you know, public education is notoriously challenging to, to change. So um, it became pretty clear to me that, you know, no matter how many systems and processes you put in place to try and change a system, it always comes down to the people have to do them. Uh, they have to either understand why it's important to do them or find some will internally to, to, um, to implement those systems and things. So you can't really system and process your way out of everything. And, and I became really fascinated with the human side of, of change and sort of fast forward a little bit. Um, more, more recently, uh, I was a partner at a company called Great Place to Work, which is a uh, employment uh, employee engagement survey company generally. Uh, they also uh, are the, there's, they're the company that provides the data for Fortune Magazine's 100 Best Places mm -hmm. to Work list. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I love about the work there is that they, they focus on what works in organizations and, and the strengths that organizations have and what causes them to be effective and successful and really great places to be uh, employed in. Um, and uh, that really does sort of kind of support my, um, you know, I got into that work at Great Place to Work because of my uh, education background, learning positive organizational psychology, positive organizational development in grad school. So I, I, I you know, my, my uh, learning around uh, positive uh, education around organizations has been through the lens of um, they're fundamentally glasses half full rather than glasses half empty. So any individual and organization is uh, sort of a, a set of possibilities as opposed to a set of problems that have to be fixed. And uh, so that's that's how I approach uh, the work that I'm doing now with uh, with High Peaks Group. So that there's, you know, obviously everybody has a much longer story than that, but that's where I'll, where I'll leave it for now. But mm. again, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So resilience. Uh, let's talk about that. Um, resilience um, uh, is is a is a topic that uh, I think comes close to people's emotional states. Sometimes, uh, you know, we can feel uh, called upon to you know draw on on personal resources to help get over some things. But um, I think before we dive into that topic, it's really important for folks to know that you know my background is not as a medical or mental health professional in any way. Um, and we'll be talking about resilience from the perspective of uh, the research that I've read and the experience that I've had trying to help individuals summon their, their resilience and, and organizations do the same. But I'm not, not a, a medical or mental health professional. So nothing I say should be taken as medical advice uh, if people are feeling particularly overwhelmed and challenged, they should totally seek the help of a, a real professional who can help them. Uh, but uh, just wanted to put that out there uh, mm -hmm. as the conversation gets deep when we go in, into this topic. So, um, and and uh, we and we'll have some questions for, that students have prepared in advance a little bit. We'll we'll address those as we go. Uh, hopefully, I'll I'll address them uh, throughout this kind of few minutes of intro. And and if there's um, more, Andrea, that you think your students would benefit from knowing, you can ask on their behalf, or we can just kind of go through the list together. Uh, that sounds great. Cool. Okay. okay, awesome. So let's start with a quick definition of what resilience actually is. Um, and then we'll talk about what it's not. Uh, so resilience is a kind of a hard to describe quality. Um, it's, a, it's the quality that allows people to, who've been knocked down to really come back, to stand back up and to bounce back a little bit stronger than they were before they, they got knocked down or faced a setback. Um, and then not letting the feeling of uh, challenge overwhelm them or overcome them and drain their resolve, but to really, um, you know, find a way to, you know, rise from the ashes, I guess you could say. So it's this concept of, of bouncing back. So the shorthand would be, you know, how do you bounce back from something? So, um, but that, that is uh, easy to kind of assume that it means a lot of other things too. Um, so bouncing back is what we do when we face a face to disappointment or defeat or failure instead of kind of letting things keep us down. Um, the, um, 
uh, process of adapting well in the face of adversity is a really important skill. It's not just personally for individuals kind of in life, but as a leader too, um, part, of the, part of the job of being in an organization, being on a team and, and also leading teams is setbacks happen on a daily basis. You know, I think we're all experiencing that um, kind of externally now uh, on a daily basis, some of us maybe even internally. Um, but this process of adapting well is, is an important idea of um, being, being resilient. So, um, so let's talk about differences between resilience and some of these other uh, similar sounding terms that, that people may kind of associate with resilience. So mental toughness is another one. Mm. Is, is one of them that people might um, associate with, with resilience. And mental toughness is certainly related, uh, but it is different. So um, mental toughness is kind of a, a personality trait um, that de determines how someone deals with stress or pressure or a challenge or something like that, uh, regardless of the circumstances. The elements of mental toughness are optimism and confidence. Uh, those are kind of the core pieces of it. But I think the, the key thing to remember with respect to resilient, with the difference between resilience and um, mental toughness is that all mentally tough individuals are resilient, but not all resilient people are mentally tough. Right? Mm. So you can, have, you can have a little bit of a, dis, of a difference there. Um, so you, know, you can be mentally tough without facing setbacks, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's uh, an important distinction there. There's another term out there that you may have heard or people who, who study kind of human uh, behavior uh, talk about grit sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's confused with resilience as well. And grit uh, made famous by uh, a researcher here in my neck of the woods, Angela Duckworth at mm -hmm. the University of Pennsylvania um, studies grit, uh, which is a quality um, of more like um, the tendency or ability to sustain interest in something uh, for for a long term goal or or you know sustained long term effort def deferred gratification and things like that. So mm -hmm. you need um, you know uh, grit is 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 that sort of ability to keep going more like persistence than resilience uh, even when things are hard. So I kind of think of things like um, um, you know, guitar lessons or something. I can persist and keep going to guitar lessons, you know, whether I'm getting better or not. Mm -hmm. uh, it requires that kind of grit to kind of, even when I'm not improving, um, I keep going back with this kind of hope that down the line, I'll get better at it. Uh, okay. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, I'm uh, having setbacks along the way. But if you've ever seen me play guitar, you would think it's nothing but a setback. But, so, um, so, so there are other there are other um, th other words that people often associate with resilience too, like um, mental endurance and fortitude and and resilience and or, um, uh, persistence and uh, all those kinds of things. But there is a big just to, just to want to make sure that when when we get to the student questions and I. I I say, is this really a resilience question or is this about persistence or something mm. else? That's probably why. Um, so resilience is really just about um, bouncing back. Now, there's also depth of, or you know, the, the type of impact you receive, right? And what you actually bounce back from. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, the really kind of important thing to realize is that it's pretty common. It's in fact, an every, everyday occurrence that people are demonstrating their resilience uh, almost continuously throughout the day. So we have all of these tiny little things that happen almost, you know, on a, I, I would say several times an hour that could, you know, um, that we could view as setbacks. So everything from, you know, uh, you know, uh, dropping your buttered toast butter side down to, um, you know, uh, the UPS person, you know, throwing your package on the front step to a, a burst water pipe to, you know, uh, a broken window or whatever. Like there's all kinds of things that can happen. You know, a, a nasty, poorly worded email comes to you 
you know, a, a phone rings during an important conference call, that kind of stuff. So these are all things that happen on a regular basis. It's, it's, a, it's quite a common occurrence. So whenever, um, so the heartening thing I want to make sure your students understand is that we are already resilient. Um, so we are, you know, there is a fair amount of, um, you know, strength and resilience already built into us uh, that, that happens. Um, so the, the knockbacks, though, um, there, there are two. There, there are the cumulative effect of little ones, and then there's the big ones. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, so the big ones are, are you know, job loss, you know, loss of a loved one, um, you know, financial distress, you know, all of these, you know, things that many people are facing right now. Very, very big, challenging mm -hmm. things that that are very identifiable and are often markers in time. Um, uh, and, and I think those, those are the, the things that most of the questions um, from your students kind of pointed to, some fairly obvious big ones, which, are, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted to talk about the cumulative effect of, of all the little ones, so, and, and the connection to emotional intelligence. So for instance, you know, when you have um, a, seri a series of little minor setbacks or things that sort of grate at you or kind of wear you down or kind of cause you to expend a lot of um, extra energy just to get through them, um, those, those, those are things that um, can uh, end up creating a reaction from you that might not be what you want. Mm -hmm. um, maybe disproportionate to the stimulus or the input that is that you're getting. But, you know, so we've all been in kind of arguments with loved ones where it's like, you know, you didn't empty the dishwasher, all of a sudden, it's a huge fight. But it wasn't, it's not the dishwasher, it's like the 25 other things that have happened in the last 24 hours that have built up and built up and built up and just like, sorry, the dishwasher happened to be the excuse this time, right? So, <laughs> right, exactly. So, but I think how we deal with those things are, are really important and being aware of them that, you know, we don't just kind of sit around waiting for, waiting for a big event to sort of kick in the resilience task list. Uh, it's a continuous process along the way that we all have to be mindful and aware of, of how we, uh, bounce back from even the smallest of, of um, difficulties on a daily basis. And um, yeah, so, um, and I mentioned that because um, that's this, that's a, a skill building uh, mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you, it's like weightlifting, start with small weights, you know, right. like, <laughs> totally. start, with the, start with the dishwasher, you know, yeah. make your bed, whatever. Yeah. Um, these are all important things. So let's talk about, um, why it matters, and then maybe we'll we'll just jump into a couple questions from your your students, Andrea, if that's okay. Yeah, right? definitely. Awesome. Okay, so why does resilience even matter, and why is it important? Okay, so it's important for a lot of ways. I mean, a lot of reasons. One is your own your your own well being. One, you know, any individual who has has um, intentionally built up a little bit more strength around resilience is going to have a lot of um, um, benefits personally for that. So there's a lot of research that shows um, resilient folks uh, are, uh, <laughs> you'll love this, Andrea, uh, they, it leads to improved learning and academic achievement. Excellent. <laughs> yes. So let that be a lesson to everybody. Um, but it also, you know, in younger kids, it's related to lower absences and, um, you know, less missed schoolwork and things, uh, but it does uh, also contribute to less risk-taking behaviors, including excessive drinking, smoking, and drugs, and things like that. So these are all, uh, I think there was a question from one of your students about, you know, raising resilient kids and things. Mm -hmm. we, can, yeah. we can go into that in a little bit as well. Um, but, um, but also just, you know, um, being better able to regulate your emotions is an important uh, thing to do when you are working on a team of people, all of whom have a lot of different perspectives and points of view and ideas and things are, or, and work styles, right? So if, if, you know, some people have, you know, the, you know, you have the night owls or the, you know, the, the people who process verbally or, you know, all these different things that happen to you in teams, your ability to kind of, um, 
regulate your own response to those things is strengthened if you build some some resilience capability as well. So that's an important piece as 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 your students go on to uh, lead their own teams. Some probably already are um, coping with stress, uh, enhanced problem solving. Um, you know, having a um, a positive orientation, uh, and then of course down down the line, successful aging is also <laughs> part of, part of that. So I've never heard that term. That's awesome. How do you successfully <laughs> age? Right. That's probably a whole other lecture we could do. What, what is what is successful? Other other than just achieving age, what how does one do that successfully? I wonder. Right. Um, but uh, we'll leave that as a cliffhanger for the next right. uh, the next discussion. Right. Okay. So um, so it's important personally. It's an important. It's important as a leader in the professional world. Uh, it's it's a it's it's a really great um, kind of um, uh, set of competencies to develop and build. And I have this thing. I'll I'll also make sure this is available to you uh, to your students as well. But it's a set of resilience competencies so some actual concrete skills and i and i have some other resources that i'll send to you so here's six from the uh, university of pennsylvania center for resiliency um, uh, which is uh, a world world-renowned um, institution obviously but the program led by uh, dr karen rivich has done a lot of resilience training for the u.s army oh, really? uh, to help yeah to help military leaders um, bounce back from setbacks they experience in battle, uh, which wow. is, or, you know, how do they, how do they not only, uh, you know, stay, stay focused during deployment, but also when they come home and are removed from that situation and now have a whole different kind of set of realities around them. It's, it requires a fair amount of resilience. Anyway, uh, six uh, competencies for resilience, uh, self-awareness, uh, which is the ability to pay attention to your own thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and reactions. So uh, one, one key there is the, the ability to accurately name the emotion you're feeling, like uh, in as, as clear and precise detail as you can. Uh, that's, a, that's a good trick there. Number two is self-regulation. Uh, so, which is the ability to manage, or sorry, to change your thoughts, emotions, behaviors, uh, in the service of a desired outcome. So that is, um, you know, uh, an example of that would be, uh, I'm telling myself a story that my wife is mad at me because she didn't unload the dishwasher and now I have to. A self-regulated kind of comment would be, I'm now going to try another story on and see how that fits to balance it out. It's like, well, I told her that I would empty the dishwasher and, you know, we're taking turns, we're in a whole new world. And I get, I get how she would have thought it was my turn. You know, like you try to come up with a, mm. instead of like just automatically going to your emotional response, just pausing, regulating, coming up with an alternative narrative, which ties to the third competency, which is mental agility. Uh, the ability to look at situations from multiple perspectives and to think flexibly. Mm -hmm a very good thing not just in, in general for resilience but obviously your creative folks uh, uh probably already have some uh, strength built up there uh, which is encouraging uh, th fourth is strength of character uh, which is the ability to use one's top strengths to engage authentically overcome challenges and create life aligned with one's values um, so i would that sounds like an academic description of authenticity. So like knowing who you are and being able to present uh, yourself as who you really are is, um, mm -hmm. you know, so my, one of my strengths, uh, I, I'm going to say is humor. So like I could have been annoyed and irritated when the phone rang, but trying to use humor to kind of get through that situation. Mm -hmm. um, well done. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> uh, connection. Uh, is the fifth, uh, the ability to maintain strong, trusting relationships. I think there's tons and tons of research on, you know, uh, anyone who wants to do any kind of intentional change, whether it's building resilience capabilities or uh, acquiring a new habit, even if it's, you know, maybe a physical fitness thing or a diet thing or whatever, you know, it's always easier when you enroll a couple of other close people 
to have on your side and to, to who you feel have your back and who, who are supportive of you. So building those relationships is always critical. And then finally, the last one, optimism is a, is a, a resilience competency. Obviously the ability to notice and expect the positive and to focus on the things you can control and to take purposeful action. So, um, you know, the, the um, you know, obviously taking time to pause and sort out those things that are possible to control. Uh, the opposite of that is what uh, Dr. Martin Seligman at Penn calls catastrophizing, <laughs> um, which is where you look at only the gloomy, dark, you know, super terrible outcomes, worst case scenarios, and you end up in this spiral where that's all you can think about. And um, obviously the, the, that's the antidote to resilience, um, which nobody wants to take. Uh, right. So, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I love those points. Those are awesome. <laughs> like yeah. what a nice roadmap to follow too for the skills you can build. The yeah. other thing I love is that in our class, our entire first third of the class is focused on self-awareness. And then working in a team and seeing like we look at our strengths and weaknesses and then you like in a stressful situation with the team, you look at your stress, your strengths and weaknesses, and you may decide to let one of your weaknesses go for the good of the team. So I just see like in those points, sure. we're just saying like we're, we're working on that actively in this class. And I, I love it that That's um, great. that could be a skill they're building as well. That's great. You know, uh, Peter Drucker, who's a business guru, uh, I think, you know, passed away probably about 10 years ago now, uh, said uh, that the, the, the purpose of leadership is to, un I, I'm going to mess up this quote, but the purpose of leadership is to uh, tap into strengths so much that the weaknesses actually become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we, can, we can try to let our weaknesses go as much as possible, and we often often do but i think in the um which, which is a little which which is great and i think just the the you know putting more fuel on the strengths fire is always a good thing too mm -hmm. because people you know when you get a group of people together the the, the strengths are going to be different and you know cumulative uh, and and make the work of the group much better than uh, if one person were to do it alone mm -hmm. for sure yeah it's good stuff that's great. I love that you do that with your class. You'd never think that in an applied science school that that would be kind of a major part of, of the class. So good for you for doing yeah, that. Yeah, it's so fun. I love this class. And I'm so bummed that we're just online now. <laughs> like, I, know. I mean, in person, there's so much to do with like live people, things that come yeah. up, conflicts that come up. Like we Absolutely. try to lean into conflicts and be able to sit with it for longer. <laughs> for and sure. then I think that's one another thing that can build resilience is like having your mind open up a little bit. Like if you're stressed, sometimes are like in my case, like my vision tends to go very narrow and mm -hmm. I only have a few options I can choose. But like yep. you were saying with resilience, if you can step back and then see another story you could tell yourself, another story you could tell yourself, then you may um, get to a different outcome. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 you know, there's two benefits to that. One is, um, you know, seeing the other side of the coin, which is just kind of generally provides some balance, but it also buys you some time. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, occupying, yeah, occupying your brain with that alternative narrative is a, is this is similar to, you know, counting to 10 before you open your mouth and say something. Um, and it, it's a good way to, um, you know, not say the first thing that comes to your mind, which oftentimes, you know, at least, you know, in my case as an East Coaster, you know, those things aren't always the best things to say. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it's it's a great, it's a great thing. I, I'm kind of interested in, um, you know, what what has been the reaction from your students? You know, was was there a challenge to kind of incorporate this into the, into the coursework at all? Like, are there any, any people out there who uh, might say like, it doesn't totally relate to your kind of, you know, academic outcomes that you want for these students? Like, how, how did that come about? Um, do you mean like the, um, 
like the situations we do and like how we lean into the conflict or? Well, yeah, well, I guess I, this is like a whole kind of buckshot question, sorry. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm interested in what the, what the students do and how they're reacting to, to them. And then I'm also interested in like, it seems unusual for this kind of class. So like, was there any resistance to that? Mm. From the students or from like my boss? <laughs> like, like how did, like, did you have to sell it hard or was it like, oh yeah, you know, that makes sense. At first with the students I did, mm -hmm. but I wanted like my goal, the whole thing, like the learning outcomes for this course is to have experiential knowledge in working with people on teams, mm. with conflict, in situations that are really uncomfortable. And so I thought, well, like we can read a book about that. We can read an article about that and we can discuss it. And that's one thing. And we do that to some degree, but it's a whole different thing to get a taste of what that would really be like to see if I'm in a situation where I'm trying to neg negotiate a salary with someone and I've never done it before to do a kind of role play, right? So this, this is something kids do all the time. It's how they learn. Right. I believe it's how we learn as, as people, you know, right. like we watch someone else do it. We sit in the chair and we try it. So it's experiential knowledge. And I think it's incredibly valuable. Um, it's hands-on learning. It also comes from um, a TED talk, well, some inspiration from it came from a TED talk, um, um, the founder of IDEO and how with this wonderful design firm, they incorporate play into creating these amazing designers. And so I'm trying to bring all these things into one. And another thing, um, my sister is a PhD student at ASU and she's in drama and acting and like health and theater and how that goes together. And so we kind of brainstormed this together and it's a way to do improv almost, you know? So the assignment is the student has to come in, think up a scenario that they're nervous about, come in and direct the class, which is also like directing a team leadership. And we talk about the situation and how we want to go through it. And we practice going through it. Okay. And we go through topics that are amazing, like sexual harassment topics. Like that was a very interesting one that we learned so much from mm -hmm. um, negotiating a salary, um, going up for a job that your best friend is also going for. for. Wow. Like, I mean, these are things that Real. actually come up for sure. Yeah. And we get to go through it and then we can time out at any time. We can go back and say, well, what if you did it this way? And the point is to come to a, a conclusion that is like at the benefit of all people in the long run. Right. So, yeah. It sounds like some really great learning labs that you're kind of creating yeah. for these folks where they can, they, they can just, you know, imagine these real scenarios. I mean, creating a safe environment to, to sort of yes. road test some, some ways of interacting and, and trying yes. out those things. Um, another one that uh, I, I do a lot of work in the ski industry, and mm -hmm. I, I know that a common one is, you know, you go from um, sort of a, a, a kind of a, a line worker or sort of a frontline person to now supervising your friends. Um, mm. Very challenging. Yes. It's challenging for everyone. It's challenging. Yeah. It's, it is a tough one. Um, so that's a big one. But I, I wanted to mention, you were talking about uh, improv and IDEO and, and all these uh, amazing uh, creative um, resources that I'll, I'll share one too. The, the Orpheus, I think it's called the Orpheus Chamber Orchestra or the Orpheus Orchestra. Mm. It's been around for about 40 years or so, but it is, it is a, a, an orchestra with no conductor. So oh, it's a, really? yeah, so it's a great example of a team that has no head, one hundred one hundred percent flat structure, self-organized, self-managed, self-governed team that uh, is really fascinating to look at. But they have high standards of performance, high levels of of performance. They're you know they're, they're when they play, it's incredible, um, and um, you know really kind of homegrown systems and routines and processes and kind of habits and norms around um, what to do when someone doesn't kind of um, pull their weight. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, very, very interesting stuff. And I know that, 
in a lot of companies these days, especially companies that are um, uh, maybe on the, on the creative side or, or in, employ a lot of creative types, uh, flatter structures are much mm. more common. Um, That's true. Either matrixed organizations, agile organizations, you know, sort of flatter structures and things uh, are much more common. Um, with, and, and so you're, you're going to have to be more resilient generally because there isn't going to be someone to run to to kind of arbitrate your issue, right? Wow. Yeah. So you're going to have to kind of self-manage your, your, your group uh, and your own behavior within the group and, and be able to, you know, make decisions about when to respond and not respond. And, mm-hmm. if, and, and that requires a, uh, some strength of, of resilience and character to, yeah. to, to, do, to be in that kind of environment. Yeah. So the Orpheus. And I also see like resilience itself would be an important part, you know, like the individual has to have resilience, but then as a team, that collective entity is also going to need to have resilience. That's indeed. an interesting way to, to see two sides of it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, especially, t- you know, you've seen so many great examples. I think I can't wait to see all the case studies that come out of this uh, coronavirus epidemic because you're seeing mm-hmm. teams, you know, really do amazing things uh, to, to come together. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know I, there's now a, a, a verb a new verb in the in the lexicon called Apollo Eleven. So we're all Apollo Elevening our our workspace, you know, uh, based on that incredible dramatic you know fix they did in space. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and I think those are those do require you know not just you know the capacity to bounce back, but it's also a, an illustration of having a shared purpose. Is, is and a compelling purpose for a team drives so much energy, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody knows we're all in this together, right? Everybody mm-hmm. knows there's really just, you know, we have to keep going and we have to try and we have to do this. So like we all agree that it's the best thing to move forward in this way. Like we all kind of self-isolate and work from home and nobody's mm-hmm. worked from home. We don't know how to do that. Um, and we're figuring it out as we go. But, you know, the power of a compelling purpose is, mm-hmm. is a key for kind of organizational and team resilience you know mm. it's it's almost the it's the elastic band yeah. that holds it together yeah. another thing we've been working on in my class recently is like creating ground rules within a team so they know how to relate to each other every time so if one of them is having a really hard time the other ones know how to come up and um, you know, ask like, what's going on? How can we help? What can we do? If, you know, you need to pitch in and help this person while they're down, you can do that. And then that actually lifts the whole team up again. For sure. So establishing how to communicate with your team during a really difficult time, even like if you have those ground rules in place, I think that could really support the um, resilience of the team also. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, ground rules um, that are, that are actually um, used and 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 embedded, right? So a lot of times mm-hmm. you see ground rules that are kind of on the wall, like or or things that you set, start at this at the beginning and never revisit. Like we're right. all going to show up on time. We're all not going to interrupt each other. We're right. Gonna, like all these all these little <laughs> things. They're not followed. Yeah. yeah. And and right. So so like, but the but the norms that actually happen, you know, mm-hmm. if they if they're healthy and positive and everybody understands them, they can be used to the advantage of the group to really keep it together mm-hmm. uh, in those times. You know, like I think i I'm fascinated by norms of um language and and you know the things that people uh, say to each other. Uh, to as as code for something else, especially. Mm. So there, I, I forget what group it was. Oh, uh, I, I was listening to a talk where a group. One of the norms they had was when whenever whenever someone was getting um, out of line, like by talking too much, let's say, like oh, uh-huh. grabbing the mic and hold, you know, like that happens all the time. Um, the the code was someone would raise their hand and say, "I think the chips are getting stale." 
It's like, nice. got it. Communication received. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a nice kind of amusing way to call yeah. someone out without like, I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe it's a little passive aggressive for me, but I, I get it, you know, yeah. but, but it's like it, that just sort of emerged out of the, the way the work work, uh, the team worked together mm-hmm. and it worked for them. Yeah, uh, nice. But those kinds of norms are really important if they're actually used right. uh, and they can really support the team's uh, resilience through tough times. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so let's let's look at some questions from your yeah. your students because I'm, I'm so delighted that they were interested enough to send some. Que- I mean, of course they're committed, right? So of course they're interested. All right, <laughs> love them. Okay, so uh, which uh, do you want to read the first one that you think would be relevant that we may not have um, talked touched on, or do you want me yeah. to pick one? Let's see. And we'll also have to go through and you'll have to say if it's actually a resilience question again, because I do think there might be some in there that are something else. Um, But, you know, actually, before we get into this one, I wanted to ask, what are some other techniques that you would say for actually building resilience? Like when I'm unloading, you know, like, you know, your wife was mad, you didn't unload the dishwasher. (laughs) What can you do actually in that situation, if you can catch yourself in it, right? If you're self-aware enough to catch yourself, what is a technique you can use to choose a different path or choose the other story or react a different way? Yeah. Well, yeah. So there's, there's a couple of, uh, a couple of things, you know, (laughs) you know, so, uh, I think the first and most important one is is knowing that you, you're probably not going to be 100% perfect all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You could compound the setback by your reaction, which I, you know, especially in my close relationships do all the time. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, you have to, you have to realize it eventually at some point that, you know, like, you know, not only... Um, um, relationships are a little weird because the other person's also, you know, dealing with a setback too. Like my behavior yeah. created a setback, but if it's just, you know, trying to keep it, you know, one dimensional for now, um, I think the, you know, just address it when you recognize it would be one thing. So don't expect to be perfect and, and flawless, but also, you know, have a practice around building the, the skills, right? So, um, it doesn't mean you have to like open up a new work stream and create a new habit, like, you know, meditation every day, although that does help. Um, but, you know, start with something that's doable, like recognizing, Hey, this is a setback. You know, this is something from which I now have to bounce back. Mm-hmm. What, what's my choice here? Okay. Well, I'm, I usually kind of eat a bag of chips when I'm, when this happens. Mm-hmm. So maybe I won't do that this time. Mm-hmm you know, or, or maybe I'll, you know, whatever. So I think, um, so just kind of like pause, you know, recognize and recognize that you have a choice of your response and then pick it, pick your response. I -hmm. think is the, is the routine to, to go through. Um, you might choose to do the bag of chips anyway, but if, as long as you're choosing it, then that's your response. Right. So that, you know, then you have other questions to ask yourself, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but you, know, <laughs> you know fun size family bag um, so uh but it really you know so it's okay and short short answer is it's okay to feel a wide range of emotions you know and, and have a whole suite of of responses to things um and be and and just be all right with that. Like you could be mad at one thing one time and totally like, you know, if, you've, if for those with children, you know, sometimes the smallest thing gets on your nerves. Sometimes they could be incorrigible and it's no big deal, you know? So, you know, you're, you, you have to build a reserve um, by, by kind of self-managing and, and sort of recognizing where, where your strengths are and, you know, where you are at any given moment, you know? Um, uh, so that, that would be a second or third thing. I don't know what number we're on, but, uh, you know, just kind of checking to see, uh, you know, how full your tank is, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you feel like you may be at the end of your patience or something like that, you're going to uh, react a little bit differently than if you have a deep reserve of, of goodwill and, and, and sort of well-being. You can deepen that reservoir through kind of standard well-being techniques, mm-hmm. uh, exercise, exercise, 
uh, you know, kind of mindfulness activities of any kind. You know, there's a lot of research even that says just looking at a picture of nature for five minutes will help you. I was going to say nature. <laughs> Be, well, being in nature is definitely much better than looking at a picture, but even a picture helps. Um, so uh, self-care is always a, a big one. Um, and then, um, you know, creating some kind of, you know, uh, recognizable routine process for, for, uh, for a setback, but also routines in your life too. Just like sort of like having a, having a kind of a general pattern to your day uh, is also uh, that, that enables you to recognize a setback versus a random event that right. just kind of, because if your whole life is random, then everything's a setback, right. you know, basically. So if you have a little bit of a routine, you can sort of, you know, kind of sort them out a little bit easier and not react nice. and respond to everything. Awesome. I love it. Thank you for yeah. that. I think that's yeah. really helpful to a lot of people like right now. Yeah, I hope so. And even myself. So. Like, we should have started with five minutes of meditation, Andrea. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then looking at a picture of nature. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I don't, I don't know. I can't do, my computer can't do the backgrounds. I think that's a big thing oh. now in Zoom, like these cool yeah, backgrounds that people that. have. Sadly, you know, I need to upgrade my game here. All right. So we got okay, some questions. Okay. So from, back to uh, the questions then. Yeah. Um, what are some everyday things one can do in times without conflict to boost our overall reaction in a time that requires resilience? For sure. Yeah. So I think there's a lot. And, and I would say, um, uh, in addition to the well, wellness and well-being activities and, and sort of personal well-being stuff that uh, we, we just talked about, mm -hmm. I would say, you know, at work, building relationships with people is 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 another major thing they can do um, mm -hmm. every single day sort of the head off the possibility of major setbacks affecting you negatively that doesn't mean be everybody's friend uh, mm -hmm. but it does mean things like you know get to know people on a level uh, a little bit deeper than their you know name and title um, mm -hmm. be a little bit more understanding so that the, the you know there's there's no better uh, uh, resilience uh, strengthener than empathy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're able to see the other side, uh, you know, more quickly uh, in a circumstance or situation, it all it makes you more capable of, you know, finding those alternative narratives. You know, not responding and reacting in the first instance, uh, and things like that. So, like being aware that your behavior does impact other people. Mm -hmm. um, is helpful. So anything you can do to build up empathy, seeing things from the perspective of others, building relationships, those are, those are, that's a, um, I would argue a very important, um, skill. Mm -hmm. Some people call that networking. I call it, you know, um, I call it sanity, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, just getting to know people and just recognizing that you're not the, you know, it's, it, you know, by having good relationships at work, you, you, it enables you to go through your work life, believing that we're that we're kind of part of a an or part of an organic unit, and you know, I think some people get trapped into this belief that they're they're just, they're an individual, kind of going through the work environment, and everything is kind of hitting mm -hmm. them. Yeah. As, as if it's as and you know like it's all everything's intentionally pointed at them and and trying to trying to knock them back, uh, but that's not how it is. You know, uh, you know, work doesn't exist for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're part of something that's bigger and different than yourself, and just recognizing that you know it's a very very complex set of you know mm -hmm. people and processes, as yeah. opposed to you and everything right. against you then i think that's a that, that's that would be a helpful perspective to carry into the workplace yeah i definitely agree and in my experience in industry it was absolutely that way the more people i knew in more different departments like it, it raised my morale it was a positive thing but also if i had an issue or a problem and i needed a different perspective i could go someone to someone in a totally different department i know them we can talk yeah. And I can get a perspective I never would have had if I stayed only in my own, you know, small team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, it's a good thing to do. Um, I will say the, the shadow side of that, just to, not to drop into that too deeply, but is that, you know, um, if, if you don't have strong character, 
uh, one of the one of the six competencies, uh, you could end up in the situation where you're like, you know, imposter syndrome, like all these people are better than me, and why, oh, yeah. you know that kind of thing. Um, but don't let that happen to you because you're you're you know just if you're in an organization, you're there because you were hired in, and you're you're awesome at what you do, and mm-hmm. uh, should have that belief at least. And and yeah, that's um, true. A lot of people do have that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a shadow side of networking, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that, which is another reason why that sort of self self awareness, self management, you know, mm. those emotional intelligence competencies are, and the ability to sort of see things from multiple perspectives, is helpful, uh, so mm-hmm. that you don't end up in one of those weird spirals like, oh, I just met someone, you know, so amazing, and why, yeah. you know, and they're making less than me. Holy crap! Why? And that's oh, that oh, right, right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was looking at it from the glass half full perspective, but oh, think- yeah, yeah, yeah important to see the other side like the other side of the coin and where it can lead Mm -hmm. i think those shadow sides are really interesting for sure for sure for sure yeah cool life is just nothing but trap doors i know (laughs) (laughs) there's another side to every coin absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) but awareness right i mean Mm -hmm. navigate it yeah yeah definitely okay um let's see here's one this one is interesting because I think it's it's specific to people who are creative and work with creative ideas. How do you personally stay resilient when you don't have any motivation and you feel like you're out of ideas? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I think it's related to resilience. I'm not quite sure this is exactly falls squarely within the resilience piece. So I would say, like, if you're if you have a lot of ideas and many of them are rejected, that probably would call into question the resilience stuff uh, mm. for sure but if you're just like um you know literally out of ideas and demotivated like burnout <laughs> burnout yeah yeah i think just trying to understand the source of that burnout is really really important um is it a is it a, a boss that's not quite leading you in a way that dr- brings your best self out for instance uh is there something about your own um your own um kind of beliefs that, that may, may need to be kind of brushed up on. But mm-hmm. I think the, um, y- you know, the, you know, there's, there's, um, there, there's this really great book. I'll, I'll, I'll send it along as a resource uh, mm-hmm. for your group um, called immunity to change. I love that. Oh, you know, this book, <laughs> do you have it? Oh yeah. It's the best. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, it's a it's a great <laughs> book, the best book. This is a really good one. It's phenomenal. So I think that uh, it's a it provides a really great tool and a framework to sort of get into those layers underneath the surface that might be mm-hmm. causing some of those you know um, the demotivation to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, you know motivation is a personal uh, uh, attribute. You know you, no one can give it to you or take it away from you. Really, it's like you have to you have to um, conspire with whatever is going on in some way, mm-hmm. like you know, <laughs> to, to be demotivated, demotivated. Yeah. Uh, similarly with motivation too. So I think looking at it from the opposite way is like, well, what, what might, you know, why, why, what would cause a person to be motivated as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So looking at those things and uh, if, if any of those are missing from the students um, mm-hmm. kind of life or reality, then maybe looking for those opportunities to bring them back would be, would be a place to start but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's yeah. tough yeah and the self-awareness too also of like okay because this could potentially be a story you know like i have no motiva- motivation i'm not inspired to do anything like is there another story that could be found there um that you could take another Absolutely. I would say, you know, I mean, my first question to this person, if I were coaching them would be like, so when were you, when have you been motivated? Mm-hmm. What was it like? Tell me a story about when you were kind of firing on all cylinders, you know, mm-hmm. what, what was, you know, paint me a picture and yeah. what, what did it look like and what was yeah. going on around you? Yeah. Um, and then just trying to reconnect to those, that thing and, mm-hmm. and, and then work from there. Yeah. And I do think this is a really common thing, especially for the seniors now, like they've been, they've been in college for, four years, they're like working so hard doing all these projects, managing everything. And then it's like almost the end and it really becomes a struggle. Like I remember that in my own experience too. And now with this coronavirus thing too, I'm like, 
So, so in your opinion, is that not necessarily resilience then like to be able to like burnout? Cause that, I think a lot of them are facing that right now. Yeah. I think it almost goes back to some of the, 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 um, stuff we were talking about at the very beginning about these cumulative effects, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, what's the, you know, um, what are some of the things, these, what are some of the forces that are acting on a person mm -hmm. kind of continually that are almost acting like a, you know, headwind, you know, pushing you back, making it harder to walk forward. Mm -hmm. um, and if, you know, if the, you know, maybe grieving the loss of your, your, your college career, you know, maybe, you know, not seeing your friends or just kind of adulting, you know, the prospect of adulting, you know, all these things are kind of like, you know, tr transitional moments where you're going to literally move from one reality into the next. And it's hard to mm -hmm. let that, the former one go and, and just eagerly kind of stride into the next one. So I, I would say there's probably some, you know, some, some, just some fear uh, that, 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 that's at play. Um, but getting, you know, you know, acknowledging that being, being, you know, okay with being a little scared and nervous while also saying, you know, on the other hand, it's also an exciting time. Uh, and it's, you know, a time of, of real possibility and a, a time of real hope and, you know, lots of good things can happen from here. And in many ways, you know, the good things that happen are going to be of my own making. I get to mm -hmm. choose. Um, so, uh, I think that that could be a way to kind of reframe this idea of, of transition from one of loss to, to one of gain. Um, let's see. Oh, another one. We talked about this briefly before, but what are some childhood behavior indicators that one will have excellent resilience in times of conflict? Like, I, are there any I saw this. emotional intelligence, things like this? Yes. So, uh, I, I found a little thing here about raising res children to be resilient. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, and there's some um, tips in the, in the American Psychological Association, and I can share that link with folks as well. Uh, but essentially, um, and and you're, these are going to sound like adult tips too, by the way, and all things that we can do for ourselves. <laughs> uh, by the way, so uh, you train yourself, train your child. Um, but helping kids to make connections with others helps them build empathy. Mm -hmm. uh, to grow their, you know, quote unquote, support network, even at the younger ages, I think, but it helps resilience. So like letting kids interact uh, without a lot of adult oversight and supervision or monitoring, just they have to solve their own kind of little disputes and things, you know, that's my ball, whatever. Um, number two, encouraging your child to help others uh, that can help them feel empowered. Uh, three, maintain a daily routine to give young children a sense of safety and structure. Again, this idea of what, you know, what's the difference between a random event and something that's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, taking a break to teach your kids how to take a break, teaching mm -hmm. kids how to take a break, right? So mm -hmm. um, excessive worrying or unproductive kind of thoughts can be harmful. So, you know, just that ability to set them aside uh, and do something else and not kind of get consumed is a good skill to, to develop, mm -hmm. um, probably for maybe, you know, older kids a little bit. Um, teach your child self-care, including healthy eating, exercising, and sleep. Uh, very important. Uh, help your child set reasonable goals and move towards them one step at a time. Uh, we, I was, my wife jokes with me all the time. We, we tried to set up a chore chart for our son uh, when he was like, I don't know, 18 months old. He could, I mean, he could <laughs> I don't know why we were like, so I'm like, oh, look at it. It's all organized. Look at his little magnets. Like one, like do the dishes, walk the dog. And it's like, he's 18 months old. Anyway, so find the appropriate goal to set. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Example. Make dinner for the family. Come on. Uh, uh, number seven, nurture a positive self-view in your child by reminding them of the ways uh, he or she has successfully handled difficulties mm. and hardships. So just... You know, that's sort of like the antidote to the catastrophizing that we were talking about, just sort of help people understand. They've actually done it before. You know, resilience yeah. is not a foreign idea. We do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and then help your child uh, keep things in perspective and encourage a long-term view, uh, especially when they're stuck. You know, it's like, well, you know, I know this might be challenging now, but down the road. And then self-discovery. Uh, look for opportunities for self-discovery for your child and show him or her how to do the same. 
so like, um, and that might be for older kids too, but just, you know, questions around like, so what do you believe? Like, mm -hmm. you know, what, what's your opinion on this or that or the other thing? Uh, so that they have to kind of do the hard work of, of thinking for themselves what they really believe versus just kind of parroting what a parent is right. saying. Right. Yeah. So those are, like that. those are nine tips right there. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Are there different skills to be resilient after getting laid off compared to losing mm. someone close or just being super stressed out? What does it look like in different situations or is it the same? Um, well, I think there's a, the, 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 frame, the general framework of resilience is pretty similar, you know, regardless of the, the setback. I think that, but it, but it scales uh, according to the type of setback that you have. We talked a little about some of the minor ones versus the big major ones. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, re resilience is almost, it's not like a, 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 a thing you do once and then now boom i'm you know i'm i'm cured or i'm i feel better um it's <laughs> yeah i mean like i'm just gonna like do my resilience chant and now we're we're good right right um it's more of a more of a of a of a mindset and a ongoing practice uh, i think especially with bigger setbacks like loss of job or you know getting sick or something like that there, there's setbacks within setbacks, you know, and and you you kind of have to almost bounce back on a regular basis and and much more intentionally because, you know, you're you're going to go through these cycles of feeling, um, okay, I've I've got my stuff together now and I I feel like I can face the next hour, okay, and then the next hour comes and goes and then you're like I'm completely depleted, I'm I just I you know I can't. I, I just need to curl up in a ball now, uh, mm -hmm. which is totally okay. Yeah, it's nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, that's a strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I think, you know, just sort of like that, this idea of self-compassion mm -hmm. uh, during these periods where you have to kind of continuously push back and, and, and sort of bounce back almost willfully. It's not, it's not like a ball bouncing where gravity kind of, is the in control you're in control you have to push the ball forward so um so i think it is it's the same techniques and skills and, and competencies and things but just persistently applied uh, mm -hmm. you know over over a longer period of time and and um it's hard to do and yeah. just expect that you know you'll you know it'll be it'll be a little bit of a you know rocky um path for you probably mm -hmm. yeah so give yourself a break all right. And then one last thing, yeah. <laughs> just like in regards to this whole situation, right? Like we're yeah. at the university, we're in face-to-face -face classes, all of a sudden everything has had to be moved online. We're learning Zoom, we're <laughs> learning how to do online modules, like we're just yeah. doing the best we can. Is there any other tip or suggestion you could give the students for how to remain resilient in sure. this time? Yeah, and I think the best one in this case, you know, especially given the fact that, uh, you know, uh, you know, what a great example, actually, of, of not being alone. You know, we are all doing this together. Everybody's kind of trying to, you know, cobble, you know, a new life, a, a new style, a new mm -hmm. practice, a new something. Everybody's doing something new right now. Um, and everybody's making mistakes and everybody is um, kind of, uh, you know, very understanding and, 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 and uh, appreciative of the fact that other people are trying and making mistakes and doing things, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's, so my advice would be to really think about what is really a setback anyway. Mm. You know, like if everybody is experiencing all of this all at the same time, you know, you could frame it as, well, this is just normal now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> True. You know, like I'm, I'm now living in this normal as opposed to like, if you move to a new country or a new state or whatever, like, this is my normal now. Like I'm, you know, like I go from a farm to the city. It's like, well, I'm now, you know, that's my normal. So it's not good or bad or different. It's just like, it's all just something that's happening. So I think um, 
so so that would be one way to frame it. And then I would say just you know constantly monitor how you're doing, like self monitoring, mm-hmm. um, what uh, you know h- how you're feeling, whether your whether your personal reserves are getting low uh, and tapped out. Like that manifests in a lot of different ways, and we you know like behaviors that might might be unique or new or different or disproportionate, um, that kind of thing. So. I would say just keep an eye on yourself, keep an eye on your friends and, and loved ones. Uh, you know, if, if you notice them, you know, like, you know, um, you know, I know some, some people just like accentuate whatever their personality kind of habit is. Like I know people who are, they like, they're, they're just planners by nature. So now they're planning. Like that's all they do. All they're doing is planning. I'm like, okay, well, that's just, that's cool. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, you do you. And, but it's like, just like on, you know, it's just like magnified in a big way because that's what how they how they've been doing the world for a while. Yeah. So I think giving people the the the, the space and permission to do that kind of thing and and just and watching your own uh, kind of reaction and responses to things and being careful uh, to to you know, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, give 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 people a break uh, as, mm-hmm. as we all try to figure it out would be, would be helpful. Yeah. yeah. I like that. And don't be <laughs> alone. Don't stay alone. I know there's social distancing, but don't, I mean, there's physical distancing, but don't actually socially distance, like stay, like do calls like this, Yeah, totally. get out, you know, just interact with people, be a human being as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But break the, break the viral transmission cycle while still being a humanoid would be awesome. <laughs> all right. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's cool. great advice. Um, I think this has been really successful. I great. think we talked about some really <laughs> great things and some really helpful advice and perspectives that we can look at to, I don't know, put everything in a place where we can actually see what's going on instead of just fear or for sure comfort or something. So. Well, I, I really, it was delightful for me. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful to have a chance to meet you and maybe one day meet the students, but uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah either in person or virtually but if anybody has questions andrea yes. like after after they see the video or anything like that or, or if there's follow-up that that folks want to do i'm more than welcome to or more than happy to answer questions as as people right. have them based on yeah. our chat and that's part of the assignment is to watch and then you know write what they thought about it if they had additional questions so i'll definitely forward that on awesome. to you and we can just continue and see where where it goes but awesome I definitely want to have you in the future when Thanks. everything's back to normal. Yeah, no, it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be really great. Another way we can do it through Zoom and have the students, the ones that can join, come on. Perfect. That sounds great. Sounds okay. great, Andrea. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and uh, good luck with the rest of the, of the year. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks All right, for Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on HighlanderMag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cache Valley.